It's Thursday at 11 a.m. And you're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or The Griggs Beat. Let's get into the action. Good morning and welcome into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me today, and as always, is Griggs Blankenberg. Just us in the studio. I feel like it's been a while since we've kicked off the show with just us in here, but there is a lot to get to, so we're going to dive right on into it. Auburn basketball gets a bounce-back win last night over the Georgia Bulldogs. I forget the final score, but it was a fun one to watch. I can give you the final score. Good morning, everyone out in Radio Land. Again, Eagles Nest, welcome back. Final score in this one, number 25-ranked Auburn, 94, the Georgia Bulldogs, 73. That's right, Auburn takes the victory here. The leading scorer for the game was Auburn's Allen Flanagan with 22 points on 8 of 10 shooting and going 3 for 5 at the line. Leading rebounder by far was Auburn's Janiah Broom, 18 rebounds, 11 defensive, 7 offensive. Georgia's leading rebounder only had 4 rebounds. That kind of tells you the story of how last night went. And then the leading assist man, it's been a while since Auburn's led all three of the main categories. It's Window Green Jr. with six assists, the two turnovers in 26 minutes. And a new win streak has started in Neville Arena. Well, technically, what's the old saying from um, Major League? Is it three wins? That's a win streak? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So we got to get the three wins still to be a win streak. But we're back in the we're back in the W column. Yes, and it feels good to be there. Um, I'm trying to pull it up here. Oh, that's women's. Sorry, Rick and I are very unprepared. I was about today. to say, are we already having problems with ESPN? No, I early? just pulled out the wrong thing. Um, yeah, so Auburn did a really good job just controlling every aspect of the game, like you said, outside of McBride for UGA. There's not really a player they had that really kind of popped off. Um, they only had one other guy who got in double figures, and that was Aquindo, only having 10 points. Everyone else scored nine or less. So... A really good showing. Like, yeah, they gave up 73 points in, in college basketball. That That's kind of that middle ground between, like, a not great defensive performance, but not a bad one either. But when you score 94, it doesn't really matter. I think the main concern, we'll, we'll get to the positive after this. Let's just get the negative out of the way first. I think the main concern is giving up 49 points in a, in a half in college basketball at home. Yeah. They seemed lights out in the second half from three. I felt like they were making every single three. They shot 41.2% from three at the end of the and during the game. And yeah, McBride kind of went crazy there at the end. But I mean, you look at that first half, maybe it's a little bit of we can lay off a little bit. We don't have to go all out crazy. But still 49 points and a half. But Auburn still won that half 52 to 49. But that defense is going to be crucial, especially with the schedule Auburn's got coming up with second half defense. And how about this? Katie Johnson, bounce back game, 13 points, um, two steals, one assist, one rebound. Definitely starts, only two fouls. Definitely is starting to look like he is coming back into his own. And he did all that in 26 minutes. So basically he was averaging a point every two minutes, which I feel like is a pretty good pace. I mean, that's good for him. You want him to get back to what that is because with Auburn's help, they need all the help they can get on the scoring front, especially when they travel on the road. And you know you know that a lot too. Just the way that they've not really found a shooting flow yet this year. They can't really they've not been able to find a rhythm, if that makes sense to the listeners out there. Because some games, some games they'll score ninety four and then they'll win forty four, forty three over Northwestern. So you take what you can get. But 
this is a good win for Auburn to bounce back. He needed this one after losing to a rival on the road. And coming into this weekend's game, you're going to need all the help you can get on this one, especially in a very hostile environment. And that, of course, is the Auburn Tigers traveling to Thompson Bowling Arena to take on the number two ranked Tennessee Volunteers this Saturday, 1 p.m. on ESPN in Knoxville, Tennessee. Daniel's going to be there. He'll be covering for WEGL. Will he be? Uh, no, I'm not covering. I am going, but uh, I'm not covering the game. Um, that's a recent development. Ah. But we will be chilling. Um, I'm looking forward to this. I haven't been to a road game as just a fan in a while. So I'm looking forward to Have you ever been to a basketball road game as a fan since you got here? Uh yeah, Tennessee last year. Okay, yeah. Um and Alabama last year. Oh yeah. Even though I was technically covering that game, but I they didn't give Weagle a credential because, you know, Alabama doesn't like student run radio. That that's a joke mm-hmm. for everyone out there. Uh I know Alabama loves student run radio. Mm-hmm. Anyway I was about to say um, your friend would be like, Hold on a second there. Yep. <laughs> uh Will if you're listening. Um, anyway, so I, I was just live tweeting from my seat. Coleman Coliseum has better cell service than Neville Arena. I'll, I'll give it that. I think a lot of places do, maybe besides the Greenville one from what I've heard. Oh, yeah, the Greenville one was abysmal. Um, so I was live tweeting from my seat, and then I wrote my story at my friend Will's apartment. So technically I wasn't there as a fan, but I I, I was. Um, but, yeah, Mississippi State last year, I, I was there covering it. So, yeah, it's Tennessee last year is the only time I've gone to a road game as just a fan since I've been here. So I'm excited to do that again. It's Hopefully a, a better outcome this year. It's going to be a little bit interesting because last night Tennessee lost by 13 on the road at Florida. So the Vols are going to be wanting a little bit of revenge. It's like kind of like the threshold it's been for the SEC this year. Bama got to number two, didn't get to number one. Tennessee got to two, number two. I don't believe they're going to get to number one. They need a lot to go their way. We'll talk about that more in the next segment. But this is a volunteer team that kind of what – they fixed fixed a little bit of the problems they had last year. If you remember when we were talking about it last year, they had a lot of problems scoring the basketball. I think they had a game versus Arizona where they scored 40 points. Yeah. But this is definitely a team that can make a run. I mean, last night they will they can score 82 points against Texas at home and then score 54 on the road at Florida. It's very just hot and cold with this team. ESPN's matchup predictor has given the Vols an 89.4% chance to find victory on Saturday. I don't think there's a line for this game. But this is going to be a tough task against probably one of the top two teams in the SEC right now, along with Alabama. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's going to be a tough match. Uh, very hard to beat. Um, I don't know if you said this or not. ESPN's um, analytics are only giving Auburn a 10% chance to win. I, I think I would love to argue with that, um, and hopefully I can. There would be nothing better for this program or for this team right now than to get in the get a tough win over Tennessee. But I'm worried that Tennessee will be trying to bounce back as well after taking a 67-54 loss to the Florida Gators on the road in Gainesville last night. So Auburn's just got to come out hot. And I know they came out hot against Texas A&M, but they obviously blew that. West Virginia, they came out absolutely freezing cold, not in a good way. Um, to clarify for you Auburn fans. Not in a yeah. freezing in this sense is not good. Not good. Um they were down seventeen at the half, made it a game, but still can you imagine if they were only down ten at the half? I yeah. I think they come out with a win. I mean, yeah, if it's someone besides maybe Bob Huggins on that sideline, it might be looking very different right now going into this game for Auburn at least. But yeah, I mean this is a great matchup against 
two teams in the SEC who have a lot who have high postseason expectations. More Tennessee this year. Can Rick Barnes finally get over the hump at Tennessee and get them into the Sweet 16, and be the first team maybe to try to? I don't. Volunteers are just an interesting team right now. I feel like in that regard, because some people can see them losing in the first weekend, and then some people say they can make it to the final weekend. So there's a bunch of different sides to that. But I agree with what you're saying. You have to get out hot. You have to take away the atmosphere from one of the, I think, top five biggest college basketball arenas in the country. You have to be able to take the energy out of that place immediately. And you've got to do it quick, Mm -hmm. Um, like like you just said. It's all about just establishing a role. And the year – or gosh, I can't talk. Last year um, in this game, Auburn did – start out pretty good um they got out to a 10 point lead pretty quick and the tennessee fans like me and my friend justin from back home like we were the only auburn fans in our area like a section packed with tennessee fans so we were we were feeling pretty good we were like okay like we're up 10 uh 10 minutes left playing first half i would love to see if if we i told him if we can be up 15 and a half i really like our chances and the tennessee cut down to a little bit I think Auburn was still up like five and a half or something like that. And then the second half went horrible, even though Auburn had tied the game up with like 30 seconds left. But, oh, man, it was just – needless to say, we ran out of there. The minute the the buzzer hit zero, we were like, all right, let's dip. My thing is kind of – it's different from last year because it was kind of, we kind of saw this in West Virginia game. Last second, like kind of like the old saying, last second, game on the line, who you, t- who you have taken that shot. Who is that for Auburn? I mean, who is going to be that big guy, that like a Jabari Smith, that can take a contested mid-range and get that basket? I think it's one of two people, and one's more consistent than the other. I'm I'm going to say my two people, and so I don't. So mine. not accused copying yours. Yeah, I'm going Wendell and Jalen. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Those are the only two I think you can have take a big time shot like that, especially in this atmosphere with that. I'm lean more to say Jalen, off of consistency wise, unless it's like a a Wendell day, mm-hmm. but. I mean, if Jalen, what he had, oh, he only had six versus, um, he only had like five shots versus A&M, not West Virginia. But this will go a long way in deciding how high of a seeding Auburn is. This is probably, yeah. I would say, their hardest remaining game on the schedule, maybe besides going to Alabama. Yeah, this and Alabama. Um, can't forget about Kentucky. That won't be tough, even though there's, Kentucky is not what they are normally. Um, and then going to A&M and week after next, or like t- 10 days from now. Mm-hmm. That's going to be tough. I think it's also going to be tough, again, because Auburn's thing right now, the longest win streak, or longest ranked streak they ever have. After last night's victory, I think they could potentially stay ranked if they lose by like a, a last-second shot or like a one-point yeah. game. That's about it, though. You, c- you don't have a lot of lean uh, leeway when you're number 25. So on the reverse side of that coin, if Auburn wins, do they climb back in the top 20? Top 15 even? I say no, top 15. But definitely, I could see them checking around 17, 18. Let me see the current AP top 25. Because last, cause, um, right now, okay, so right now Auburn's 25. You'd have to – well, it depends on also what happens this week and what we're talking about like with people like Indiana and Clemson, Miami. Um, UConn's been struggling recently. I don't think they're – hopefully they don't struggle versus Georgetown. Um, St. Mary's plays Gonzaga. That's always an interesting one. So, I think they can. It just if it helps if you win by more than one possession. I think because then there's still some teams at the bottom who can try to find a way to climb in there. But 
it's looking less likely teams coming in this week unless like a Missouri comes in, but it'd be very important for Auburn to win this one, especially after they dropped 10 spots last weekend. But yeah, I mean, again, we didn't talk much about the West Virginia game, but they came back. It just came down to just plays at the end, really. But I think they're finding their way a little bit more, which makes which is making me more comfortable about this team, especially with Janai Broom now being that dude. I heard the street sweeper name from your other podcast a couple times last night. <laughs> That's kind of cool. It's catching on. But you're going to need a big game from him on Saturday. No question. You're going to need someone off the bench to step up. Now, is it going to be KD Johnson? Is it going to be a Dylan Carwell, maybe? A Leor Berman? It just matters how the game is flowing and how um, Tennessee is scoring their points. I think it's going to be determining on what that looks like. Yeah, and you, you just got to have one guy hot from three. If this Auburn team can just have one guy with a hot hand from beyond the arc, like that's that's kind of how Bruce Pearl offense thrives. That's how the 2019 team was able to do so well, is that they had three or four guys that on any given night could just absolutely go crazy from three. And another thing, if they run the same defense that A&M ran after Auburn got hot and West Virginia ran like that first half, where as soon as the guard comes up and you pressure it, you got to find a way to – figure out something else because yeah. that can lead to disaster. Especially and and you've got to adjust. If things start going awry, um, you, you've got to find a way to – I don't want another Eric Stevenson situation. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, what was it, Auburn – I didn't. I, when was the last time that even happened? 30 points to three players in back-to-back in three straight games? Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> it's crazy, but we'll see what they can do this weekend. That is going to do it for our Auburn basketball section. When we come back, we're just talking about the – Rest of the world of college basketball, some pretty a pretty good weekend this weekend in college basketball. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke alongside me today, and as always, it's Griggs Blankenberg. Before the break, we talked about Auburn's game against Georgia and previewed their game against Tennessee on Saturday up in Knoxville, the number two team in the country. So It'll be interesting to see if Auburn can get the job done. But now we're going to move on to the rest of the world of college basketball. And it's a great weekend in the sport. And it's already started with Milwaukee and IUPUI. Yeah, midweek standalone game. That's kind of crazy that it's this early in the day. Yeah, um, I'd be really curious to know what kind of crowd they have going on there. Especially after seeing – I saw one of their records was not good at all. But – Nonetheless, it's time for our regular college basketball talk. Wow. Yeah, a 1 p.m. game, too. That's that's crazy. Central Connecticut and St. Francis, Brooklyn. Let's run through the AP Top 25 first. First off, our first unanimous AP Top 25 number one selection this season. It is the Purdue Boilermakers sitting at a record of 21-1, and one, followed by the Tennessee Volunteers, who are will play this weekend. Lost last night, though. Uh, next is the Houston Cougars. Four are the Alabama Crimson Tide. Fifth. Arizona Wildcats, 6th, the Virginia Commodores, 7th are the Kansas State Wildcats, 8th are the Kansas Jayhawks, Ninth are the UCLA Bruins, 10th are the Texas Longhorns, 11th, Baylor Bears, 12th, Gonzaga Bulldogs, 13, Iowa State Cyclones, 14, Marquette Golden Eagles, 15, TCU Horn Frogs, 16, Xavier Musketeers, 17, Providence Friars, 18, St. Mary's, oh boy, Gales, the Gales, can't forget about the Gales, uh, 19 of Florida Atlantic Owls, I believe. Yeah. Yep. 20 are the Clemson Tigers. 21 are the Indiana Hoosiers. 22nd are the San Diego State Aztecs. 
Yes, got that one right too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, number twenty-three, the Miami Hurricanes. Number twenty-four, the Yukon Huskies, and number twenty-five are the Auburn Tigers. That is your AP top twenty-five this week. Yeah, Auburn was hanging on by a thread for sure. Um, Very close to it. Because the number one team receiving votes, who's not in, is Missouri with seventy-four, and and they won last night. Right, and I can't imagine Auburn had too many more than seventy-four. One hundred and seventeen was what it was saying. So uh, okay. kind of close. Just depends on where where certain people are putting them in at. Honestly, um, some big matchups this weekend though. Let's start off what we have tonight. Uh, we have the Florida Atlantic Owls taking on the UAB Blazers taking on Jelly Walker. That'll be a good game. If I was at home, I would maybe consider going to this. But you know, I'm not at home. You're here. Yep. Um. Let's see. Oh, Wisconsin at Ohio State at 6 p.m. on FS1. You can get into this one for three dollars. That's is it at the Kohl Center or is that? Uh, it's at Value City Arena in Columbus. Ah, uh, we have Houston versus Wichita State tonight. We, I think, me and Connor were talking about this the other night. Just the fall of Wichita State, really, after they had what that Final Four run. Yeah. Um. They they got to the high of the high in college basketball and then haven't been back. Um. Not gonna tell and they were con- you who that sounds like. And they were consistent, like a couple. And they were consistent years after it too. Like they would go to, like the Sweet Sixteen type of stuff like that. Yeah, they were. Um, like you know, you're doing something right when uh, Dick Vitale is calling games that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, other ones: Washington, UCLA tonight. Um, getting this one for six dollars. Uh, UCLA is a seventeen and a half point favorite. I think they're running away kind of with the Pac-12. I don't think USC is gonna catch them. Uh, or Ari- oh, they have Arizona too. Whoa, I forgot about Arizona. So that's yeah. going to be interesting down the stretch. Um, yeah, speaking of Arizona, Air- Oregon versus Arizona tonight. Uh, Arizona is an eight-point favorite in this one. Yeah, I mean, Oregon's had like what, like one or two players every couple of years. I feel like that could make a difference, but I don't, I don't think anyone's really stopping Arizona right now. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Um, they look really, really good. The race for the Pac-12 will be very, very interesting. And Unlike what I said. Yeah. Because <laughs> I forgot about Arizona. Um, well, we have two. First time, I think, in a while that we've had two Western Conference teams ranked. It is the Gonzaga Bulldogs taking on Santa Clara. That's tonight. And then also at the same time at 10 p.m. is San Francisco versus St. Mary's. So St. Mary's plays Gonzaga this weekend in one of the rare ranked matchups Gonzaga ever gets in uh, conference play. Yeah. um, The WCC is not known for being very elite. So I'm interested to see how Gonzaga is going to kind of respond to that. Yeah, there's one game on Friday night. It's Boise State versus San Diego State. Um. Yeah, the Aztecs are looking pretty good right now, trying to keep up any momentum they can get in the Mountain West. And something that was just pointed out to me is kind of interesting by our good friend Michael Floyd oh. is that FAU has a former Auburn player and coach, KT Harrell, and they play UAB tonight. I remember hearing about that somewhere. Yeah, I do too. I can't remember where now. I saw on like Twitter. I think someone like quote tweet or something like that, and like uh, KT Harrell's team's ranked. In the top twenty-five, yeah, they're they're one of the teams this year, along with uh, Charleston, um, that that have kind of just come out of like nowhere and just been really good this year. Charleston dropped a game to Hofstra, so they're out of the top twenty-five now. But I mean, UAB is a good team, man. They're favored tonight. Yeah, and then tomorrow at four p.m., the basketball version of the fifth best rivalry in college football, 
Harvard and Yale. Ah, yes. And the Cam- look on your face says it all. In Cambridge, Massachusetts, yes. I think these are the two teams that kind of just switch every single year on who goes to the um, the, tur- uh, the tournament from the Ivy League. Mm-hmm. So this one could come be a pretty important matchup down the stretch, especially with – I mean, Cornell's been pretty good this year, and so is Princeton. But those are the two teams. I think it's Yale and Cornell are the top two, along with Princeton. So have a year for the Ivy League. Absolutely, and then there's nothing else worthwhile um, on f- tomorrow. Uh, St. Louis still trying to find a way. Oh yeah, that's being right. at large versus VCU. But then Saturday is absolutely loaded. It starts at 11 a.m. and does not stop until 9:30. Ranked it, matchups all day. The Commonwealth Classic. Absolutely. Number six Virginia versus the Hokies, and Castle Coliseum. Go Hokies. <laughs> that's a that's a little. Connor will like that one. No, probably not. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, you got Michigan State Rutgers this year. Is it time to start talking about Tom Izzo maybe being a tad bit overrated? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a John Calipari type situation in which like they've done so little with so much. Like Calipari's got one national championship, I believe. He did, but then again he took Memphis to the national championship game. I was mainly just talking about what he did at Kentucky. Um, um but he's won uh uh twenty twelve uh he won the twenty twelve course. Yeah, with A D. That's just kinda hard. It just shows you how hard it is to win with all these one and dones. You see it on yeah. teams like sometimes Auburn where you have these freshmen leave like Jabari Smith. It's kinda hard to build up that core leadership group and then mm-hmm. like especially when most of your guys coming in like think about last year, Zepp Jasper, Katie Johnson, uh you had uh Wendell Green, all these people who come in transfers. Uh, out of the gate, I think all of Auburn's starting players last year, minus um, uh, Jabari, uh, were transfers, including yeah, Walker I Kessler. Think so. It just kind of just shows you how hard it is kind of just to build. That's why those Villanova teams were so good for so many years consistently. They never really had guys who just left after one or two years. They'd usually stay three or four. That's mm-hmm. why they, That's why uh, Jay Wright was just able to build up such a consistent program in that regard. And some of his other teams, like, We'll talk about like Kansas, like going like five years without going to the Final Four. That's just that same scenario. Yeah, and like for a program like Kansas to go have a five-year Final Four drought, like that's cause for concern. Yeah, I will say one thing for uh, John Calipari though. He's been to four Final. Uh, he's been to six Final Fours. Two of them with Memphis, I believe. So, or wait, uh, yes, one was with uh, actually UMass. So wow, that that's something special. Okay, never mind. So yes, back to Tom Izzo. <laughs> just. I mean, he is technically the last coach to win the national championship for the Big Ten. Technically. Oh, Even yeah. though Maryland won in 2002, but they were in the ACC. Yeah. Um, other good games on Saturday we're scrolling down. We already talked about Auburn versus Tennessee. We got the Jayhawks versus the Iowa State Cyclones. That's going to be one of our who you got picks. But this could be a massive game to deciding the Big 12 in the end. Iowa State's a 58.4% favorite to ESPN's matchup predictor. You can get in this one for $84 at James H. Hilton Coliseum. But Iowa State coming off of back-to-back losses both to Mizzou and Texas Tech. Yeah, they definitely they, they'll probably fall out of the top 20. They might still be ranked, especially if they look good or win this game. Um, but, yeah, I'm 11 a.m. on ESPN. I'll be up early Saturday morning anyway. <laughs> Uh, my sports day starts at 9 a.m., as does yours. Which we'll talk about that at the end. Yes. Um, but then this yeah. is kind of a Kansas team that kind of rebound because these last five opponents for, 
for Kansas have been Kansas State, TCU, Baylor, Kentucky, Kansas State. These are all good teams. They're all good programs. It's been a brutal stretch. And they've never really had to experience this before in the Big 12. No. It was like, what, Baylor a couple years, Texas Tech when they made the national championship, and that's around – that's about it. Maybe Texas every, like, couple years. Yeah. But it's been the Jayhawks' conference for a long time. It has. Sort of like uh, how the SEC used to be for Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but now the SEC's loaded. Yeah, it's going to be interesting down the stretch, I think, for sure. Um, what other – let's see if we can get any top 25 before we – have to go to commercial. Other ones, um, we have ooh, we have TCU versus Oklahoma State. This might be an interesting one. Oklahoma State thirteen and nine though, not the best. Um, but Miami versus Clemson. This is on our who you got as well. Big game for the ACC, especially. Also, this is a big one. If Auburn can win, one of these teams is going to drop down, presumably drop out if it's Miami. But this will be at Little John Coliseum in Clemson, South Carolina. Clemson having a really good year so far for the for the Tigers from. Uh, South Carolina, Hunter Tyson, leading scorer, 16.3 points, as well as the rebounder. He was a high school uh, – he's the brother of one of the guys who went to my high school, who's now Belmont, who's really good. Oh, that's interesting. But, yeah, I think this is be an interesting one, especially with uh, Jim Laranega, who's one of the best coaches still remaining in college basketball right now. I mean, he found a way to beat Auburn last year with all that talent we had, and I think he can do it here as well. Yeah, I think so too. Um, kind of weird to see a number by Clemson's name in basketball. It is not, yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they've had a pretty good year. Haven't lost a home game, and Miami's four and four on the road. So that's what I feel like is kind of tipping this in Clemson's favor. Mm-hmm. But this Miami team is not scared of anything. Yeah. Um. Quickly, we'll go to the. the, the we have one. I'll say for the end. Uh, we have Texas versus Kansas State. Also, who you got? Another big. This is a big weekend for the Big Twelve. In terms of how seeding is going to work out in the end, I think especially if Texas can find this one win with an interim head coach still. Um, uh, last one we got is, we already talked about this a little bit, but Gonzaga and St. Mary's. St. Mary's is actually leading the West Coast Conference right now with 8-0 record. So if they beat Gonzaga right here, they're sitting pretty to potentially get that automatic bid for the Western West Coast Conference. Yeah, they are. And, you know, it's so, it'd be crazy to see – a team that's not Gonzaga get that. Even though Gonzaga will still be a tournament team, regardless of that, it'd just mm-hmm. be kind of interesting. And finally, a big one we have, 3 p.m. on ESPN this Saturday, is the number one Purdue Boilermakers and uh, National Player of the Year uh, frontrunner Zach Eady taking on the number 21-ranked Indiana Hoosiers at Assembly Hall in Bloomington, Indiana, the first of the battle for the state of Indiana. This is huge. Um, this is always a great game, great couple of games every year. Um, I know you remember this because we were in the car, in your car, talking about it on the way back from Walmart with a car full of camping supplies. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And I was like, None dude, of it got used. No. I was like, dude, this is huge. Indiana at home against number two at the time, Purdue. Oh, my gosh. Like, this – I could not stress enough how much that game laid the foundation for building back this program that was once college basketball's best and has now just not been on that level in a very long time. And they pulled it off. The, the thing that's different from last year, though, is Zach Eadie's finally learned how to play basketball some. That's true. 22 points a game, 13 rebounds. How does someone like Trace Jackson Davis try to kind of slow that down or add to the scoring in that regard with Purdue on a nine-game heater right now? You just got to switch. Mm-hmm. Um, if – JD is not doing well on him. 
you can put HS, um, J. Hood, Shifnino on. Uh, he's been who they've gone to to stop tough guards before, or excuse me, tough big man and guard, anyone. So that's your plan there. Um, should be a rocking crowd yes. tonight in Bloomington. Boiler up, baby. Okay. Shout out my cousin Finn who goes there. All right, Finn. <laughs> That is going to do it for our college basketball talk. When we come back, we're talking about the world of the NBA. One, Our two teams are completely different from each other. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. Once again, you're hanging out with Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg here on this Thursday mid-morning. So far, we've talked about the world of college basketball, both Auburn and the world of basketball in general. Now, to continue that streak, we are going to be talking about the world of the National Basketball Association. As always, let's start off by going through the standings. First up in the Eastern Conference, the number one seed, 37 wins, 15 losses. It is the Boston Celtics at the top of the Eastern Conference for, I believe, the third or fourth or eighth week in a row. I can't even remember. Yeah, some along the lines of eight. We had some close calls this week, though, but... We did. Found a way. Yep. Uh, number two in that division is the Milwaukee Bucks, two and a half back of the Celtics. Three back of the Celtics are the number third placed uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Number four, the Brooklyn Nets. Number five, the Cleveland Cavaliers, rounding out the auto-bid playoff teams, the number six, Miami Heat, as we go into the play-in tournament teams. Number seven, New York Knicks. Number eight, Atlanta Hawks. Number nine, Washington Wizards, and number 10, Indiana Pacers, who are also tied with the Chicago Bulls at 13, back of the Celtics. Next up are the Raptors, Magic Hornets, and the Detroit Pistons, who are uh, the worst team in the NBA right now. They've already they passed the Rockets, so here we go. Yeah, Detroit's bad. Man, if they get all these number one picks together, it could be not good. I don't like that. I don't want that to happen. I want I want Wimbledon. Why do I, when do I get nice things? Soon. I can never, no, we've been saying that for years. That I've never gotten nice things in, in terms of NBA. Even when we had our best player, he left because Michael Jordan didn't want to pay him. And But then, again, he didn't do well in his next couple stops. But who matters? So the Celtics had a – not including the Nets last night, which was, my goodness, what a game that was, 139-96. to But a close call with the Lakers this past week where we saw one of the funniest things I've ever seen in the NBA with LeBron crying because – that was maybe a foul on Jason Tatum, and then Pat Bev showing the camera to the referee. It was a foul. Like, I'll admit it was a foul, but still, in a regular season game, and it's not like they lost because of it. Like, you still had five minutes to go win the game. Um, I just don't get... I thought you could review that, though. I thought you could, too, but the NBA changes their uh, rules and that sort of thing on a very regular basis compared to other sports, so... It's just kind of hard to keep up with. And the Celtics needed that one, too. They were on a three-game losing streak, yeah. losing to the Magic, Heat, and the Knicks. Yeah, it hadn't been a tough stretch uh, at all. Um, that Florida trip really got them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Milwaukee's the catching up a little bit, too, now. Yeah, they are. And that's a team, like, you don't want to drop down to the two or the three seed if you can avoid it, because then you're going to have a very tough, like, first couple rounds. I mean, it's playoffs or playoffs are going to be tough, but... If we could, you know, hang on to the one seed, either be playing, like, Atlanta or Washington, that'd be definitely a lot better than playing, like, Miami or Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, moving on to the Western Conference now, the Denver Nuggets are still in the first place there, 35-16, and 16, followed three games back by the Memphis Grizzlies, who 
not been playing well the past couple games. They're on a four and six. They're four and six in their last ten. Followed then next by the Sacramento Kings, L.A. Clippers, Dallas Mavericks, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now into the playing games, we got a three-way tie for seventh. It is the Golden State Warriors, Phoenix Suns, and Utah Jazz all nine games back, and then the Pelicans are in tenth, nine and a half games back. Then it goes Blazers, Thunder, Lakers, Spurs, and Rockets. Dude, the Pelicans went from being the two seed to the ten seed in a matter of like three weeks. It feels like. I mean, that's kind of what we saw at the beginning of the year with Portland, remember? They were, like, yeah. number two in the conference, and now they're sitting outside the play in games. Yeah, um, it's crazy just to see how quickly things can change. It's also crazy to see the Sacramento Kings as the third seed. They bring that up every week, and it's still just as shocking, honestly. Yeah, I keep waiting for them to be one of these teams if that's they, falling out. but If they get into the playoffs, they would make the Hornets have the longest playoff drought in the NBA. Ooh. Fun. That'd be very fun because they technically don't count the play in games, so mm-hmm. what, which is fair because we're not good. But kind of uh, then now that we've seen the resurgence of the Warriors now, a little bit they were outside that playing game around I think when we left for break in November, mm-hmm. and now they've just found their way to climb back up. Really, with I mean that helps when Steph Curry's healthy and he's back. That's helped when you have those big three kind of back. But this is definitely a team I don't want to face in the postseason if they can no. get an auto bid. No, definitely not. Um, I would not want to see them in the finals again. That's for sure. Yes. Moving on now to our next topic, the All-Star game. So there has been – we have now have the All-Star starters rosters for this one. The captains will be Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James of the Miami Bucks and then the um, – of LeBron of the Lakers. So I think it will be – there's Team LeBron and there's Team Giannis – team Giannis is being coached by the Boston Celtics coach Joe Mazzulla is that how you say it yes and then the Western Conference thing or team LeBron will be coached by Michael Malone of the Denver Nuggets and the starters so far there's five from each conference so far but it conference doesn't really matter in the All-Star game anymore it goes Giannis uh, Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets Donovan Mitchell of the Cleveland Cavaliers Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets and Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics in the Western Conference, it goes LeBron James of the Lakers, Nikolai Jokic of the Denver Nuggets, Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors, Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks, and Zion Williamson of the New Orleans Pelicans. And those are your all-star game starters. What, if any, do you see any think someone who got snubbed? Um, Someone who I think got snubbed. Honestly, I'm not really sure. I haven't thought about that much maybe Joel Embiid I'd say so I'd say him for Kevin Durant yeah because the voting goes 50% fans 25% NBA players and 25% media Kevin Durant will win that media vote every day of the week Mm -hmm. it's just a or the fan vote but yeah it's so hard in that top that division because you got Giannis KD Jason Tatum and then Embiid yeah, and one it of those really makes you wonder, out. like, why exactly is Zion starting in the West when there are some other worthy candidates? I mean, it's like when Andrew Wiggins was a starter last year. Yeah. Because I think I think what happened with that one is he got, like, a K-pop guy. The Warriors got a K-pop guy to advertise for him. Mm-hmm. That's why. That was crazy. But then also I think a, a snub in this All-Star, category, All-Star game category is John Morant. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree. It's um, Well, you only take two guards compared to three in the front court. But, I mean, it's hard to compete when you got Steph Curry and Luka in front of you. Mm-hmm. So, I guess that may, he would have made it easy, I think, in the East, where that was 
kind of just leveled out a little bit more. But tonight the reserves are getting announced. I imagine one, maybe two more Boston Celtics get their name called. I yeah, definitely Jalen. Um, not really sure about the other. I don't think. I don't think uh, Melo's going to get in. He'll probably be a replacement if someone happens like that. But he's been out too much of this. He's been out too much this year. I think. Yeah, I would. I would agree. But then, yeah, nothing else really surprised me too, too much. I mean, there better be at least one Sacramento King on that team because uh, Sabonis deserves it. He got ranked third in the media f- to be ranked. He just didn't receive a high enough um, uh, fan rank, which is understandable when he's in that stacked front court in the Western Conference. Because we've talked about him on the stats. He's going crazy this year. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's been very good. Leading the league still in rebounds. Go to the offensive leaders real quick before we head to break. Joel Embiid still leading the way in points, 33.5 a game, followed by Luka, 33.4. Giannis, 31.8. Jason Tatum, 31.1. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 30.8. That's someone who also needs to be a reserve. Yeah. Shea Gilgis-Alexander definitely does. Um, other stats we see, uh, Halliburton, 10.2 assists. Jokic at 10 assists. Now that's crazy. Jokic getting 10 assists. And then being one of the top scorers in the league, not in the top five, but he's – do they give to him a third time? I feel like they'll stray away from that, like kind of like what we were talking about the other day where they just didn't want to give Michael Jordan the MVP every single year. Mm-hmm. Maybe your guy Jason Tatum can have something to say in the second half of the year with that. I hope so. I really hope so. Other just interesting ones we'll throw out there. Steph Curry still weighing away in uh, three points, 4.9 a game. Walker Kessler back up above two blocks a game. He's at 2.1 blocks. He reached, uh, I think what they said was he reached, he has played um, He's played 50 games and he is now at um, 100 blocks for the season. 100 blocks for the season for Auburn's Walker Kessler, averaging 2.1 a game. And that's honestly super, super crazy. Yeah, I agree. And he's really kind of stepped into the league and just really made it his own, and is very impressive. I mean, I thought he was going to be good. I didn't know his blocking ability would be able to translate from college. Well, technically he hasn't yet because he had, like, what, four or five blocks a game here? Mm-hmm. But still, being able to translate this into a game, I think he had six blocks in the first quarter last night. Yeah. Hats off to him. He's at 103 blocks now through 50 games. Not and too shabby. Worked his way into the starting thing. Now that kind of begs the question, did Memphis make the uh, – did? Minnesota kind of make the right decision. Yes, you get Gobert, but you gave away all that, and they have Walker Kessler now. Utah is definitely better off right now than it was last year at this time, I think. Yeah, I mean, and Minnesota is still just kind of an average team. Like, a few years ago, it looked like they were really about to make that jump from, like, the middle of the pack in the West to a perennial contender for the one or two seed, and then they just kind of went right back down to being average again. And it's good to see that Carl Anthony Towns has, you know, been given some help, but I feel like just Minnesota is way behind schedule on where they're planning to be at this point. And then like Gobert is older, mm-hmm. so you have to wonder like if they had Walker, maybe you know that'd just be another solid piece to build around in the future. But I don't know. Um, it, it's probably not. We're probably not <coughs> able to say yet if they like regret it or not, but. The amount they gave up is a lot. Yeah. And I really feel like Utah in time will be the winner of this deal. But, I mean, this was just a push by a team desperate to get to the top, and 
yeah, they're they'll be a solid playoff team. Well, maybe not. They're only one game away for, or they're a game and a half away from being the 11 seed. But think about it, if you were to tell me last year that we would see an NBA team who was currently in a play-in scenario in the Western Conference being led by Laurie Mankin and Mike Conley and Walker Kessler. No, I, would I would not thought you would have been crazy. Mike Conley, too? Are you kidding me? That's crazy in itself. Yeah, I agree. That is going to do it for our NBA talk. When we come back, we're actually not talking about basketball. We're talking about the National Hockey League. We're going to talk about that hockey. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me today, and as always, Griggs Blankenberg. We spent the last 45 minutes talking <laughs> about guys running up and down a piece of wood with an orange rubber ball, bouncing it up and down, trying to put it through a hoop. So now we're going to switch over to a sport that takes place on ice, and you try to put a round, rubbery-type deal in the back of a net. Yeah. Yes. That's what's up. Yes, that is what's up. NHL talk, as always, not a lot of games this weekend because the All-Star game is on Saturday. But let's talk about the standings here real quickly. Starting off, as we always do, in the Eastern Conference and still leading the way in the entire NHL with 83 points are the Boston Bruins at a record of 39-7-5. Not bad. Not bad, that's all? Yeah, it's, it's great. I'd be very happy if that was. I'm ecstatic. <laughs> well, I would be ecstatic too, especially if you're leading the way by 13 points over the second-place Toronto Maple Leafs, with who you also have a game in hand over. I think. Yeah. Um, that was a good win. I was kind of following that closely, trying not to be on my phone at the <laughs> Auburn game. Just want to be immersed in the environment. Um, also, I don't want to get clowned on Twitter for playing on my phone because you and I are both in areas on the camera pan up and down the court. So definitely want to look fully engaged because <laughs> we are fully engaged at all times. And we never aren't fully engaged in the game. We're locked on Auburn. Locked on Auburn. <laughs> Zach Blackerby would be very happy with us. Anyway, I was checking the score during timeouts, and I was listening to it, um, the radio broadcast. I was streaming it on my way to Taco Bell after the game. <laughs> um, and, yeah, they just – the Bruins are good. They just keep winning. And I keep waiting for them to hit, like, a, a skid, but they've still only lost seven regulation games. You can afford to hit a skid, I'd say, rather now than later in the year. I oh, think. yeah. I'd prefer it to be right now. Yeah. Um, next, we have the Tampa Bay Lightning at 65 points, followed by the Sabres at 56. And then it goes Panthers, Senators, Red Wings, and the Canadians. Oh, the Canadians. Oh, I hate that team. <laughs> we move on to the Metropolitan Division, leading the way with 76 points are the Carolina Hurricanes, who had quite the victory the other night, coming back, beating the Kings 5-4. to four. Impressive from them. Yeah, the Bruins lost to them, I think, 4-1 to on Sunday. And 4-1, to 4-2, to something like that. That was just – you ever watch a game and you just don't have a good feeling about it? Yes, all the time. It's one of those for me. <laughs> all the time with me, yes. Um, next we have the New Jersey Devils at 68 points, the Rangers at 62, Capitals at 60. Then it goes Penguins, Islanders, Flyers, and Jackets. But Islanders are making some moves here, man. They are. They are making a move. They Yesterday they signed uh, – Horvat from the Canucks. So they exchange for Anthony Belvier, Atu Ratti, and a conditional first-round selection in the 2023 NHL draft. So they're going to try to make that push that they need to make after the All-Star break to try to get one of these playoff spots. Hopefully they can get it. I like the Islanders. Mm-hmm. 
one of Kent's good friends from home is an Islanders fan, and I went to like some of those watch parties with him when they were playing Tampa in the not the bubble year, but the one after one. Mm-hmm. So that was very fun to see. There are some crazy Islanders fans out there. There are. And then followed by them are the Flyers and the Blue Jackets. Just again, the Blue Jackets is so odd after they made such a big splash in the off season with people who are there they were signing and everything like Johnny Grudeau, who's their leading goal scorer, assist man, and points man. And just haven't been able to figure it out. Hockey is the one one of the old there are a lot of sports like this, but hockey more so than others, you just cannot afford to have one guy doing it all. Because um, what happens when he goes to the bench? Mm-hmm. Um, or what happens if he, you know, gets hurt or has to miss a game or is just, you know, taking game off due to fatigue? Like, you, you just got to have production throughout. And that's just something that a lot of teams don't understand. Like, like um, Toronto just throwing all the money at three players. Like, that's great, but... This is kind of the problem the Bruins were running into last year. When mm-hmm. They had to split up the perfection line because there was no, um, there's no, like, God, what's the word? Production. Mm-hmm. Gosh, anywhere else. So they had to have um, Pasternak play on the second line. Every now and again, Marchand would play with the fourth line just to try to get someone else to score other than the big three. But, um, yeah, it, it's, you got to have production all throughout the lines. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the Western Conference in the Central Division with a one-point lead in the first spot in the Central are the Dallas Stars, 28-13-10 with 66 points, followed by the Winnipeg Jets, 32-19-1 at 65. This, along with the Pacific, so the Western Conference is going to be more of a race than the Eastern Conference, we've already discovered. Oh, yeah. This year. Uh, then the Minnesota Wild with 58 points, Colorado Avalanche with 57, then the Predators, Blues, Coyotes, and the Chicago Blackhawks, who are tied for last place in the entire NHL with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. We're losing. That's a good thing. Yeah. Bedard looks very good. He does. He looks very good. I can't wait for him to don the best sweater in the National Hockey League. <laughs> Um, moving on now to the Pacific with the tie in the top of the standings, but the Kraken have four games in hand over the Kings. It is the Kraken and the Kings at the top with 63 points apiece, 29-15-5 for the Kraken, 28-18-7 for the Kings. The Kings are the only team, I think, in a current playoff position who have a negative goal differential. They're like the Vikings. They have a negative 10 goal differential, and they're in second place in their division. Yeah, that definitely doesn't seem to go together. Not at all. And then we got the Knights, who are at 62 points. And then the Oilers, who are at 60, followed by the Flames, Canucks, Sharks, and Ducks. So that that those top four spots in the Pacific are going to be shifting around left and right, it looks like. Yeah. Moving on to the stats portion of the episode. Again, at the top of the points, we're not surprised at all. It's Connor McDavid, 92 points, followed by Leon Dreisaitl with 76 David Pasternak, 72, along with Nikita Kucherov, and Tate Thompson with 68 for the Buffalo Sabres. And then, again, we already said his name once, Connor McDavid at the top of the goals list, 41 goals. Pasta is behind him at 38. Tate Thompson, 34, along with Miko Rantanen, and then Jason Robertson with 33. And then Hamptus Lindholm of the Boston Bruins at 33 plus minus, along with Joe Pavelski at 31, and Matt, I'm not saying that name, you got it. Matt, where are we at? Uh, plus minus. Plus minus. Matt Grizzly. 
Matt Grizzlick with 31 as well, along with Adam Larson at 30 and Thomas Tater at 26. And then uh, for Jack Edwards, the voice of the <laughs> the voice of the Boston Bruins calls him Grizz Boy. <laughs> so if you just need a shortcut, you can do that. And we'll save some time on the goaltenders. Linus Olmark is leading the way in every single category. Still the only goalkeeper under two goals allowed per game. He is a tank. They really have figured out on like one of the I'd say one of the last maybe year or two of the Bruins' core, they've really found a way to kind of maximize it so far. Yeah, I really thought that the team was going to take a massive step back this year. Like, I expected us to be like in a battle for our lives for the fourth position in the Atlantic. And no, like they're running away with it. Um, and it's good to see. I'm definitely not complaining. And I love Bruce Cassidy and was very, very disappointed in um, June when the team announced that they would be moving in a different direction. But... I mean, Jim Montgomery's doing great. Maybe they just needed a culture change. Maybe that's really what it was. I mean, they're definitely everyone kind of thought this is like this is the last year for the Penguins and the Bruins to kind of revamp that old kind of just like that core they really had, mm-hmm. and they found a way to do it so far. I mean, we still have playoffs and hockey. Unlike all the other four major sports in America, really anything can really happen in that. Yeah, regard more often the others, but. Going into the All-Star break, do you need any – do the Bruins need to trade for anything? Is there anything out there that, like um, – because right now they're cooking. They're the best team in the league by seven points. Yeah. Um, maybe the shirt – like some just depth in the lower lines, just to sure that up a little bit would be nice. But I'm not really – I'm pretty content with everything. Um, just – yeah, I don't really know. Just maybe if they're get some rental type deals, maybe it's like some guys will be b- bigger guys will be free agents next year, just kind of help us get over the hump. But at the same time, I could just as easily just say, no, let's just run it and see what happens. Um, obviously, they're they've won more in the NHL this year than anyone else, so that shows that you know they can kind of just go with what they got. Um, it's kind of just a thought of, do you want to ruin that chemistry? Right. I would say at this point, don't really risk it. Like, definitely not anything major. If you want to try to get some pieces to sure up, like, the third and fourth and fifth line, um, by all means, do that. Because if you can get some production out of lines four and five, like, your team's in a pretty good spot. But, yeah, like, I'm pretty content with the way the Bruins are kind of set up right now. And um, just kind of, I guess, see what happens in the playoffs. I know next year the roster will look different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Just yeah, I, I guess to kind of sum up this long point, just kind of leave things the way they are. Um, if there is a weakness out there, it's fourth line center. But I don't really know what we could get to that would drastically improve that and make a like noticeable difference without giving up stuff that we don't really want to. So yeah. Hmm. Uh, last little bit before we go to break, uh, the Hall of Famer Bobby Hole, the Golden Jet, uh, 12-time All-Star, Chicago Blackhawks all-time leading scorer, had, uh, died last week. He was a two-time Hart Trophy, which is the MVP trophy and the NHL winner. Uh, he leads the Blackhawks in uh, goals, uh, game-winning goals, hat tricks, and he's third all-time in points. So really made a big impact on the Chicago Blackhawks' um, kind of just whole team legacy really in the time where they weren't or that was like kind of like the last kind of stretch where they had before the two 2010s where they were winning stuff so yeah 
just to still his records are still holding after Taze, Kane, everyone we've had, especially at the top of that goals list, it's still pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. Um, so I'm really kind of interested to see just kind of how the um, league and the Blackhawks choose to honor him. I think they'll do something probably after the All-Star break. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's what we're kind of leaning towards on that. I, I imagine Patrick Kane's going to maybe try to – if he continues playing the end of this year, he's played his whole career with the Blackhawks, I think he can pass him in points, honestly. He's at 12-14 right now. Mm-hmm. And Bobby Hole was at – hold on. What was – yeah, I just skipped it. Bobby Hole's at uh, – oh, yeah, he already passed him in points. I was about to say he was in third for that one. But, yeah, so Blackhawks legend, RIP. But that is going to do it for our hockey talk. When we come back, we got a lot of football to talk about, both across the pond and here in America. So don't go anywhere. Second hour of the show is coming up. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. You are with Daniel Locke and Greg Blankenberg. We're kicking off the second hour. The first hour was dominated by basketball, gave way to a little bit of hockey. And now, we're talking about football, not sure which variety, though. We're talking about NFL is king, first off. Okay. We're starting off with the conference championships that happened last weekend leading up to the Super Bowl next week. But now, it is time for the NFC Championship game, and it was a pretty lopsided affair as the Philadelphia Eagles defeat the San Francisco 49ers 31-7 to make it back to the Super Bowl for the second time and I think the last, what? Six years? Five? Um, 2018 was five years ago. First yep. time in five years being – I mean, obviously the story of this game was the 49ers QBs. I mean, found out after the game Brock Purdy had a uh, torn UCL. So hard to throw with that. So yeah. – and then gave way to a who's who of quarterbacks coming in. But – then again, the Eagles found a way to do it. This was a pretty dominating performance, especially for a team that really needed to show something there. And they had, trying to look at the box score, really the team's stats, and tell the story of this game. The Eagles had 25 first downs to the 49ers, 11. Um, other stuff, the I know there, uh, the sacks were a lot on favor of the uh, Eagles. I think they had three sacks. I think they had one, two for one player. I think it was Hassan Reddick. But bottom line, this was, again, it finally showed, proved the point that the Eagles were the best team in the NFC throughout the entire season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that does worry me, though, is still Jalen Hurts' shoulder, man. 121 passing yards. Their leading receiver in the entire game was Devontae Smith, two catches for 36 yards. Yeah, he looked just, I, I don't know, like, kind of – even though the score is so lopsided, it feels like things have just gone a little differently. The 49ers could have at least been competitive because there's not a single stat from the Eagles that just blows me away. Yeah, like. Except for the defense. Yeah. But I'm looking at this and I'm like, it was kind of not the same as the Giants one, but I'm like, what? what is this from the Eagles? I mean, the Eagles only had 269 total yards and they scored 31 points. Yeah, like, I just don't get it. I'm I'm a, con- a little bit concerned for this. This this the big game coming up in February or next week. Especially with again, Jalen Hurts is still not proven that he can throw the ball efficiently yet. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I really wonder what's in store for the Eagles if they can't score or put up offensive numbers. Because they didn't show anything in the NFC Championship. They didn't blow us away with any numbers because they were what they were doing when they were, if they had to punt was San Francisco's pinned back deep because Brock Purdy physically could not throw the football. Mm. And then they get a punt back and they get it like their own 45-yard line. You don't have to go too far for that. It's just they prop. They're really gonna have to rely on that defense because with Kansas City's defense, it's a whole different animal from what we saw with Chandler Jones and everything. But yeah, right now they're sitting at a one and a half point favorite right there. I'm not sure I want to lean that way right now. No, I'm not. I'm not at all. Moving on to the next game again, another classic in the AFC Championship game: the Cincinnati Bengals 20, the Kansas City Chiefs 23. And the Patrick Mahomes-led Kansas City Chiefs are off to their third Super Bowl, and I believe since they made it in 2020, 2020, 2021, So they've made it in three of the last four years. I was very much rooting for the Bengals. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend, pretend I wasn't. Me too. I just I, I don't like the Chiefs. I don't like the Eagles. Um, so I made this decision on Sunday afternoon. I was like, all right, I'm going to be the biggest Bengals fan who's not actually – a Bengals fan tonight because I just don't want Mahomes to be compared to Brady because he's just he's not. I'm sorry, he, he's not. There's one Tom Brady and it's not it's it's him. But I just oh man, I, I wish Joe Burrow could have carried the Bengals just a little bit more. Yeah, Mahomes is very good. I don't know. If, it's gonna be hard to ever replicate six or seven, however you want to look at it for Tom Brady in regards with winning at different spots. But, I mean, I, he's just so good, man. He's the unanimous number one best quarterback in this league, without a question. He he threw it 326 uh, yards on a not 100% ankle. We saw it throughout the game, and they still found a way to win. And if, I'm the, if I was the Bengals, they lacked the pressure really a lot. They mm. weren't getting to the quarterback. He got sacked three times. Joe Burrow got sacked five. And Patrick Mahomes couldn't run. He could barely run. He had three carries for eight yards. He couldn't even really get it done with his legs. And then that penalty happened on that thing. But two weeks to get better. But, I mean, Joe Burrow just a touchdown and two interceptions, 26 for 41 with 270 yards. That's really not going to get it done because they were in the red zone a lot and they just could not find a way to score. I think it was you could say that for both teams, honestly, a little bit. There, but then again, this again, Andy Reid's a great coach, and then Patrick Mahomes is a really good player. I mean, I think it's really it is going to be a battle between. I think I think the main battle people are going to need to focus on are the is the Eagles' offense versus the uh, Chiefs' defense. Yeah, that's the biggest storyline here, um, because I mean the Eagles have good defense, mm-hmm. and um, Patrick Mahomes is good, and he's definitely gone up against some of the best defenses in football. But, but, I, but people know that Patrick Mahomes could score on these defenses. It's mm-hmm. a matter of what is Jalen Hurts going to look like. Yes. Because you cannot pass for 126 yards and win this game. No. Your leading receiver cannot have 36 yards receiving and win this game. No. Because the Chiefs have been here before. A lot of that same staff is held over. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many of the same Eagles players are on that same this roster this year. Not well, a lot. Well, we know they look a lot different at QB. They look a lot different. They've gone from receiver as well. Yes, and that as well. Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Rigor, Jalen Rigor. <laughs> yes. Yes, I think. And Nick Foles. 
Gosh. Don't forget. Hey, receiver. We're talking about receivers here. Oh, Philly goodness. special. But, yeah, I mean, this is a Chiefs team that has, again, has experience. The same core has been the three of the last four AFC championship games. They've won one of them. They lost one to Brady in 2021, and now they're back. This is a team that kind of like on the legacy maybe a little bit because is Patrick Mahomes going to be equated to better, higher-up quarterbacks, or is he going to be equated to the um, the Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees of the world where he just won one? Or like maybe Peyton Manning type of thing when he was in Indianapolis where he won one and then lost a couple other ones. I don't know. Um, the fortunate thing for him is he's still young. I believe he's still younger than Stetson Bennett. I feel, he, I feel like that's pushing maybe a little bit. I don't. I don't know. I don't know, but go ahead. Um, just time is definitely on his side because, I mean, Breeze was like smack dab in the middle of the career when he won. Aaron Rodgers was – it was pretty early on in Aaron Rodgers' career as well. Um, or earlier than Breeze for sure. But looking at – Mahomes is 27, by the way. Okay, yeah. Um, he's still got – time you know like the Chiefs are I'll be interested to see like what they kind of do over the next few years if they can afford to keep stocking up this team if they can or if you know their key players obviously not Mahomes since he's already on a jumbo deal but if some of the other key players are willing to take a little less to stay and uh, keep the team going I feel like you'll have plenty of chances but you know if they can't afford to consistently put together a good team no one could really win um with that here's so. my thing with it. you're talking about contract you're paying a guy this much money with that large contract you got to win at least one or two more i think i agree they're not paying you to just get there every year they're paying you to win it especially if you're making that much money in that regard and he's probably the person that's that deal's worth it for what he's done for this team and everything it's just gonna be a matter of two quarterbacks who I'm not sure what his ankle is going to look like. I'm not sure what Jalen Hurts' shoulder is going to look like. Potentially against two quarterbacks who are not playing 100%, whose both rushing offenses have not been good in the past couple weeks. And you're going to have to rely on some big-time plays, I think. Your, your defense is going to have to step up. This is definitely going to be a defensive battle type of a Super Bowl. Yeah, I feel like the defense that gets the first um, defensive turnover slash defensive touchdown is likely going to win. Right now, we'll talk about more of the Super Bowl next week in depth, but 5.30 p.m. on Fox, February 12th. Right now, the ESPN match predictors sitting smack dab at 50% each. The current line is at Philadelphia minus 1.5 with an over-under of 50.5. And, and That's I an mean, interesting line. I mean, it is a good time for people to, to rest up and everything, but... If you're right now, who are you more? If you are a Chiefs or, or uh, Eagles fan, who are you more concerned of? Right. If you were a fan of either team, which one did you think would be more concerned right now? Definitely the Eagles, hmm. just because you're you're kind of a one trick pony. Um, versus, well, you have your defense, but you know it's going up against Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is way better than Brock Purdy or the fourth or fifth string quarterback of the Niners. So, I would definitely say the Eagles. Because plus, there's there's kind of that pressure there. Like it hasn't been that long since they've won a Super Bowl, but like you said, the team was completely different. And you have to think about it; they've not really been tested this postseason. I don't want to. They they played well in the regular season. You play who you play, but they had a cakewalk really in the postseason. Going against the Giants at home destroyed them. And then again, like you said, Brock Purdy couldn't throw the ball, so you knew what you had to do. You had to just rush the attacker where Christian McCaffrey was running. 
that's my thought around that. And then just the fact that I think if it gets into a high-scoring game, it's the Chiefs are going to win because I don't think that the Eagles' offense can replicate what the Chiefs' offense can do because mm-hmm. the Chiefs come out and score on three of their first four drives. I don't have confidence in Jalen Hurts to do that, that same thing, especially if you can get on that early. But, yeah, that is going to do it for our talk on the division round. When we come back, we have some more NFL talk. Some coaches have been assigned, and some player rumors are coming as well. So don't go anywhere. You are listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagle's Nest, everybody. You're hanging out again with Griggs Blankenberg and Daniel Locke here on the second hour of the show. First segment, we talked about the conference championship games, and now we're just getting into some other NFL stuff. The biggest news this week is Tom Brady. He's actually retired this time. Tom Brady retires for good on his social media, ends a 23-year NFL career, leading almost all the major offensive passing category stats. And you know, like, love him or hate him, he's a legend. He is the GOAT, and I just feel like there's not much of an argument there. As someone who has a very close attachment to the greater New England area and someone who's like, the Patriots aren't my primary team. I still love them. Um, they're my second favorite team for sure. If the Saints got wiped off the face of the earth, which, you know, <laughs> that, that might be in the cards for the next few years. We'll just see. But I would be a Patriots fan. <laughs> so I love Tom. He is a very, very, very good quarterback. And I don't know if the game will ever see anything like it again. Yeah, especially, yeah, it's going to be hard to replicate that, I think. So, there's that. I mean, it's kind of like the thing where you're like, it's hard to replicate Wayne Gretzky. It's hard to replicate what Bill Russell did. It's kind of hard to replicate like a lot of these people did, like Yogi Bear, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Other news, we have three new coaches since we've last been here on Thursday. One happened directly after the show. That is Frank Reich is the now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. He comes over after being let go in Indianapolis. After, I think he got the short end of the stick on that one, but it's nice to have an offensive-minded coach for once, I think, because we've had defense on defense for the past long time. But I'm excited to see what that brings. Also in the news, our main topic of discussion is Sean Payton is going to be the coach of the Denver Broncos, giving uh, the New Orleans Saints the 29th pick in this year's NFL draft along with a second-round pick next year. But they, I think, are getting the Saints' third-round pick, I believe, this I think this or next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I am really, really glad Saints have a first-round pick now. I was hoping the Cardinals would hire Peyton because then we could have the number three overall pick. That wasn't in the cards. But, hey, we have a first-round pick. Uh, I don't think you can really get a quarterback at 29. That would be pretty hard to do, I think. Yeah. But – I thought when I originally read first round, I didn't know which one they were kind of giving them. I forgot they, um, the um, who traded for Bradley Chubb. Well, that's a good. Question. Oh, no, it was the Forty ers who traded for that, and so they got the the Saints are getting the Forty ers pick. So there's that. Um, you can try to find that something to do there. I think you maybe go day two quarterback if you want to try that out for a little bit. Yeah, why not? Try the free agent market, but. Do you like the compensation? I think it could have been a lot more if he went in the uh, NFC, mainly the NFC South. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. The main objective I just wanted was get a 2023 first-round pick. Um, At this point, as a Saints fan, I would not be opposed to just blowing it up. Um, 
I just th- this core is just not going to do it. Um, there was a lot of hype within Saints circles this year that we were kind of being slept on, that this defense was going to be one of the best, and that just obviously didn't transpire. They were the best at getting penalties. Uh, I'll, I'll give them that. But other than that, there's just not much. Like, every time there was a deep ball, I would hold my breath because I was like, all right, either they're going to catch it or we're going to get a, P- a DPI call. So <laughs> this isn't – if I'm game planning against the Saints defense, I'm just going to throw it deep every play because they're going to give you the yards one way or the other eight times out of ten. But anyway, to get off that soapbox – I was fine with the compensation to answer your question, yes. But then, yeah, Chris Richards, speaking of that, is not returning a Saints defensive coordinator next year, or co-defensive coordinator. I didn't know they were doing that. It was kind of like the New England model where they were going two offensive coordinators. So maybe that will change now. Maybe. Yes, no. Maybe. Maybe. Um, And then also we have D'Amico Ryan, the defensive coordinator of the 49ers, has signed a six-year contract to be the head coach of the Houston Texans. So those are the three head coaching Jobs right there. D'Amico Ryan's got an interesting task at hand. He's got the number two overall pick and potentially a quarterback coming in. Yeah. Um. Now I'm interested to see how that kind of goes. But yeah, Let's it's gonna be interesting kind of see who to the bear the who the Bears gonna trade for, who the Bears mm-hmm. trade with. I imagine it's gonna be a team who wants a quarterback. So you have to be in the back of your mind, kind of preparing yourself to draft. Whoever you think the second best quarterback is, whether it be Stroud or Bryce Young. So yeah, I was talking to um Zach Card or talking to Zach Card about this on his show, The Report Card, which is on Mondays on Weagle from eleven to twelve, I believe. Yeah, and he's a Bears fan. He was talking about like, yeah, the Bears have the number one pick, but they're not a typical number one pick team. They have so much cap space, just kind of so much to move. Um, like, they can kind of do what they want. So, the future of the Bears looks a lot brighter than the future does for most teams with a top-five pick, I would say. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think the Bears could demand a lot depending on who they trade for. If I'm maybe them, I'm kind of maybe leaning towards um, the um, maybe the veteran route, really, not just all picks, I think. I think that would be very important to build up a team kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Other news, kind of like it's the talk about the two quarterbacks are sticking with quarterbacks, mainly Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers, and where they will go next. Both of yeah. me and Daniel's teams need quarterbacks. Yeah, I would kind of prefer a Carr to Rodgers just because Carr's a little younger. Um, he's definitely shown some immense talent, but he just hasn't really been the same since 2016. Um, when he was before he got hurt in 2016, he was just on fire. Um, he even had Devontae Adams this year, the best receiver in the game. But then I don't think Josh McDaniels is a good coach. I don't either. Um, it, it's just another one of the, the people that come from the Belichick tree. Everyone just assumes they're automatically going to be great, and they just kind of aren't. I just haven't seen that. We haven't seen that work really on the professional level yet. In my, unless I'm forgetting someone, it just hasn't really worked. You can't just come in there and just do all the Belichick topics. It's not going to work. That's not how these players have learned. Over the years. No. But I kind of lean towards the same way with you with Carr. I mean, what he did in um, the 2021 season was incredible. Mm-hmm. Head coach fired. One of your receivers gets, a, uh, gets arrested in jail, and you go to the playoffs off that. I mean, that's, yeah. that's an accomplishment in its own. But then again, this year, 
you lose some pieces on the defense. You add Devontae Adams, though. But then, yeah, everyone kind of thought, us included, where that AFC West is going to be a really, really close race this year, and then the Chiefs just pulled away. We thought the Broncos were going to be something. We thought the Raiders would be something. We thought the Chargers would be something. We just kind of just got brought back to reality. Yeah, uh, we really did. And kind of, it seems like we're at a crossroads here with Tom Brady retiring. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers definitely kind of on the downward slope of his career. Just kind of thing like there's really, it feels like there was just a changing of the guard in the NFL a few years ago. Now it feels like there's another one. Like, it feels like this era of the NFL was just remarkably short, and now we're already moving in a different direction. Since it looked like it was just going to be Mahomes and only Mahomes there for a little while, Mahomes is going to have plenty of competition, which I'm glad about. Like, I don't want there to only be one dominant quarterback who's just, like, on a different level from everyone else. Um. So, yeah, I just kind of, I don't know. I'm interested to see who drafts who. A lot of teams need quarterbacks. Um, yes. And I think the quarterback supply does not meet the quarterback demand this particular year. So we're just going to kind of have to see who gets who. Um, I would love it if the Saints somehow could convince someone to take, like, Andy Dalton and Michael Thomas for a top-five pick, if I, anyone's I, interested I, in that. I doubt <laughs> if. If Mickey Loomis could somehow get someone to tr- like to take those two for a first round pick at all, build him a statue because he just is good at fleecing people. Well, Michael point. Thomas has played like two games in the last two years. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm done on that. Um, now that I say that, he's gonna go somewhere else and have a fifteen hundred yard year for someone else next year, along with ten Sounds tutties. Like but Son Reddick once he left the Panthers this year. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. If I see one more mock draft say that Anthony Richardson should come to the Panthers, I'm going to lose my mind. The CBS guy did it. Mel Kiper did it. Well, I don't think Mel Kiper knows anything either. But I mean, he has Derek Hall being a first-round pick. Besides that, I don't <laughs> think he's ever done anything. Like, Yeah, it's just – uh, but NFL talk, just – we're getting down to the end of it, man. Only one more football game this year. Only yeah. one more left. Um, other ones uh, – the Dallas Cowboys uh, uh, let go of Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, who, funny enough, was the Pan- who the Panthers were looking at to be their head coach. So that would have been interesting. But he is now on the new Chargers offensive coordinator, tasked with just developing more out of Justin Herbert. So you go from Dak to Justin Herbert. I think that's a pretty, that's an okay change. Yeah, I would say so. But if you're M- Mike McCarthy, you're coming back next year. I mean, Jerry's not going to accept another year where they don't make the NFC Championship, I think. No, I don't think so either. I think this is his last chance. Because I thought, me and you both thought if there was any team Sean Payton was going to go to, it was going to be the Cowboys. I'm so glad he didn't. Um, Just because I don't want Sean Payton to get treated like Cowboys players and coaches do. Not saying not rightfully so. I just didn't want Sean Payton to be subject to that. So... I'm okay with Peyton to the Broncos. I kind of hoped he had gone to the Chargers. That I don't know any Chargers fans. One okay. of my be- my one of my best friends is a Broncos fan. So, and oddly enough, he's one of the only Broncos fans I know who's not over the moon about it. Which is just this is a top five coach in the NFL we're talking about. 
So I just don't see how you can't be over the moon about this. But he's, I digress. He's tasked with a pretty difficult challenge with trying to get Russell Wilson back to the performance he was back in 2014-2015. That's a mm-hmm. high task to do after last season. And then developing a staff with a defense that got depleted once he traded away Bradley Chubb. And now you have a quarterback who just was not worth at all what you paid for. No. And the Seahawks made the playoffs this past year. Or he no, did. they almost did. No, that's oh, right. Yeah, they almost did. Yeah, yeah Green Bay uh, lost. And, or we know they did make the playoffs, did they? Yeah, they did. They did. They got throttled. Who did they play in the first round? They played... Niners, maybe? No. Yes, the Niners. Niners. Well, yes, yes, it was Niners. the Niners. They got throttled by them. But, yeah, I mean, um, for the 49ers to talk about this, quarterbacks, people were thinking Brady may have gone there because he's from there. But now I'm reading this thing where the split likely is between Jimmy G and the Niners is going to happen. So Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. Hmm. Before that injury, I thought there's no way that they don't bring back Brock Purdy to be the starter. But now, I don't know. I think his recovery time is well enough where he'll be ready for the training camp. But what do you do? You use the second overall pick on Trey Lance. Yeah, I just don't. The 49ers are just one of these teams that just kind of sort of like the Packers in a way. They just draft positions they don't really need. Mm. So, I I don't know. Like, get an O-lineman. But whatever. I digress on that. Um, But, yeah, I just the future of the 49ers is unclear. Like, it's clear, but it's unclear. So, I don't know... Like, they have options, but it's just which one's the best. Like, I think Jimmy G's definitely gone. Like, we said that last year. It didn't happen. I think definitely this year. Um, So then you go, like, do you want to go with Trey Lance or do you want to go with Brock Purdy? I think Brock Purdy did better than Trey Lance. They did. Trey Lance did have that unfortunate injury at the beginning of the year. But True. I mean, you can't count out the fact that they were 7-1 and with Brock Purdy. I don't think you can look past that, especially with – Brock being more of like a traditional pocket passer than Trey Lance. Hey, unrelated, but Darion Coburn's mom just retweeted me on Twitter. That's cool. <laughs> anyway. Um, I think that's a good stopping point for our NFL is. coverage. But when we come back, we're still talking about football. What? I thought you said we were done with the NFL. Mm-mm. Not to worry. We got more talk when you're Going coming across back. across the pond. Yes, we are. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back. To the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. And during the two-minute PSA break, we managed to get over to the Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport, hop on a jet, and we just got off at London Heathrow. And we're here Mm -hmm. to talk about the Premier League. Yes, we're here once again to talk about the Premier League. Not much has happened this past week since it was a cup weekend where it was mainly the Carable Cup and some of the FA Cup. But we can go back to the Premier League. I think it's the same table as we left at Arsenal's in first place with 50 points, followed by Manchester City at 45. Newcastle United and Manchester United are both tied at 39. Newcastle above them on goal differential, followed by Tottenham Hotspur at 36. Brighton and Hove Albion in sixth. Uh, Fulham in seventh. Brentford eighth. Ninth is Liverpool. Tenth is Chelsea. <laughs> 11th is Aston Villa, 12th is Crystal Palace, 13th Nottingham Forest, 14th Leicester City, 
15 Leeds United, 16 West Ham United, 17 Wolverhampton Wanderers, 18 ASC Bournemouth, 19 Everton, and 20th Southampton. Um, I think it's safe to say a lot of ball left to be played, but if I'm Everton, Southampton, I'm biting my nails about now. I think so too, especially Everton, because they've just had not been playing well at all. They're furious with their ownership group. And a reminder, we said this. I think I said this last week on the show. Arsenal and Everton, I think, are the t- only two teams who have never been relegated from the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So holding on to that streak, but I mean, they can get out of it. I mean, a win and a win and puts them in right at, at 17. So yeah. that's what's kind of crazy around the bottom. Just the wins at the bottom are so rare. That when they come by one, it can cause a massive shift of who's going up and who's going down. Mm-hmm. Especially like I mean, Nottingham Forest, for example, they were nineteenth a couple weeks ago. Now they're in thirteenth. Yeah, because they had a couple wins back to back, and then all this like other like middle table stuff. I mean, you could see teams like a Leicester City kind of drop down there if Southampton wins one or two games, type of stuff like that. And then I've decided for Crystal Palace this year, I just want to see a top ten finish. I don't think that's that um, undoable. You're in 12 right now. You're in 12th right now. You're um, you are. Hold on, that's math in my head. Uh, you're five points behind uh, Villa and Chelsea for for 10th and 11th. So it can be done. I mean, you need to go get some wins here soon. Um, I imagine, unfortunately, Chelsea may move up a little bit. I don't think they're going to get top four this year, but I don't think they're going to be in 10th for too too much longer. No, but I don't think so. There's that. And then the top, I mean, Arsenal is in a great position right now. A game in hand on Man City, and they're up five points on them. Yeah. Um, I really feel like they're the team to beat, and it's going to be hard to catch up to them. It's going to be interesting, too, because uh, United's already played the, t- the two top teams twice. They've split them. They lost one to Arsenal. They lost one to Man City, and then they won both of those games at home. They still have to play Newcastle one more time, and then they have to play Tottenham one more time. But really for the rest of the season, it's about – beating these teams below them, whether it be on the road, like they have to go to Anfield to play Liverpool. Chelsea has to come to United again to Old Trafford. But really just about not messing up. You just have to just – you've already played the top, the cream of the crop, and now you just got to be able to just take care of business and do what you're supposed to do. You have to win against the teams that you're supposed to win against. And that's sometimes a lot to ask for in uh, world football because sometimes you'll, like, drop games – I mean. Everton tied Man City a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. which was crazy, but it happened. So there's that. But, yeah, I mean, the transfer window just closed. I mean, Chelsea um, – I, I saw this on a tweet yesterday. Um, I'm reading it now. I retweeted this. Um, It goes, um, yes, uh, the spending in 2022 and 2023 season so far, um, Chelsea had $666.7 million. Uh, La Liga had 608.9 million, and the Bundesliga had 604.1 million. So Chelsea outspent two entire leagues. Gosh, all that to be in tenth. I know, right? It's crazy to think about that. Mm-hmm. They're tenth, and they've done all that already. <laughs> it makes me—it's really funny how that yeah. happened. Um, of the other four London teams, because obviously Crystal Palace, I'm a fan of a London team. Chelsea's probably one I don't I don't really mind Chelsea. I'm not a fan. I'm not I don't dislike them. But, you know, I just kind of I'm content with seeing them in town. I just <laughs> kind of funny. It is funny. 
Now you understand why Connor and I laugh all the time at it. Yeah. Yeah, but the London teams are doing some stuff. I mean, Arsenal there, he got in first in North London along with Tottenham, who's in fifth, Fulham in seventh, Brentford's in eighth, Chelsea tenth, um, West Ham in 16th. Just a lot of just different stuff that – a lot of good London clubs right now, especially with Fulham being pretty good this year, where in the past they've flip-flopped between going to the Premier League and being in the championship every other year. Kind of like Norwich, but mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is getting down to the heat of it this weekend. I'll try to see what we got. First game back at the Premier League is, I believe, on – Tomorrow would be on Friday, so it is Chelsea versus Fulham at uh, Samford Bridge. That is on this Friday, 2 p.m. I believe that will be on Peacock or USA. Be a not, Chelsea kind of need this one. They they lost to Fulham when they played at Fulham earlier this season. They need this one to kind of get back on track after spending all that money. Yeah, um, they do, and we'll just be – I'm interested to see kind of how they respond to the adversity here. And at the same time, Fulham, this isn't really a position you're used to. Um, no. It's kind of unprecedented. So I'm interested to see how they respond. They've been here before, but it's been a long – it's been around 10 years. Yeah. But, yeah, especially with Chelsea, I mean, if you have – if you want to have any chance of playing in Europe next year, you got to start off with a win here, mm-hmm. especially being at home. Moving on to Saturday, we'll st- we'll leave the big one for last. But Everton is hosting Arsenal. This will be a if Everton can get a draw or un- probably the most unlikely of all to get a win here would be almost season changing. Yeah, it would. Um, it would change the trajectory for sure. And you get three points for a win, right? Mm-hmm. So at that point, you are you move up a spot. So it's easier for you to not get relegated. But then, yeah, beating a team like Arsenal hand their second loss in Premier League this year, that would be massive for Everton just trying to fight off that relegation. Like we said, if they win on Saturday, they move up into 17th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aston Villa at Leicester City. Uh, Leicester City is kind of hovering around that relegation danger zone mm-hmm. type of thing. So. The 2016 Premier League winners need to step it up a little bit. They're in 14th, so can't afford too many mistakes right here against number 11, Villa. No. Uh, Brentford versus Southampton. Southampton in the bottom of the league. Brentford's been pretty consistent this season. They're in eighth, so probably Brentford can going to win this one, but if you're Southampton, if you can take a point, you'll take whatever you can get. Yeah. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion versus AFC Bournemouth. Again, Bournemouth is near the bottom of that. Brighton's been playing absolutely incredible this season. Again, if you're Brighton, you just got to take what you can get, if anything. And then Liverpool versus uh, Wolverhampton. Um, Liverpool in ninth, they need this one to have any chance of playing in Europe again as well next year because they need to get started soon. Yeah. Um, and then Newcastle versus West Ham. Newcastle still holding on to that third place in the Premier League. And West Ham, again, kind of one of those teams down near that relegation zone. They're in 16th. So it's kind of a uh, – can they shut down Newcastle and try to take a point or three from this one? Yeah, and I'm just kind of – I'm looking at West Ham to stay competitive here. I don't think they win. Um, that would be very, very hard. But – Newcastle's offense struggles because when they played Crystal Palace two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, that game was a nil-nil draw. 
and they definitely had opportunities that the Crystal Palace defense just kind of fell apart a little bit, but they couldn't capitalize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been a really good defensive team this year, Newcastle. And and then we have the matchup for the Eagles' nest. It is Manchester United taking on Crystal Palace on Saturday at 9 a.m. at the Theater of Dreams, Old Trafford. So that's this weekend. I will definitely be following along. I'll be in the car on the way to Knoxville, but I'll definitely be watching and hoping for the best. But uh, I think a draw here is the most likely scenario for Palace, the like most likely positive scenario for Palace. Going into the theater of dreams and getting a win would be huge. However, I don't think it's really in the cards. But one little motivating factor is that in Palace's last five against Man U, they're three and two. No, three one and one. Mm-hmm. And United have been in incredible form when they played at home these past couple games. I've, I don't think they've. The last time they drew or lost a game at home was I think way back in. Yes, it was back in September. They lost uh, zero to one. Uh, they lost uh, one nil to Real Sociedad in the Europa League. That's the only time with United's new manager that they have lost. Since oh no, we lost one Premier League game back in August as well. So we've only lost twice with our new manager. So Eric Ten Hag's made that a bit a uh, really hard place to play once again, and this will be a really interesting game. I mean, Newcastle or sorry, uh, Crystal Palace barely got the uh, the tie last time against United off an amazing free kick. So this will be this could be a very important game for Palace. I mean, if you can get two points from three matches versus United or even four points would be incredible would just solidify themselves as not having to worry into the year about what they might have to do and we move on to sunday nottingham forest versus leeds united leeds united are uh, acquiring weston mckinney the uh, united states player from juventus so leeds united i believe has three americans who are now on the squad for, for, versing Not- nottingham forest who has signed a lot of players in this past year since they've come up, and they're still kind of in that zone where they could be relegated. So this is this two would be a whoever can win this or tie it would be really helpful for their end-of-season uh, preparations. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't even want to talk about it. Tottenham versus uh, Manchester City. Tottenham was up 2-0 going into half last time they played Man City, and then they lost 4-2. And to quote my roommate Ethan, who is a very big Tottenham fan, I wanted to throw my laptop across Louder Hall. I would too after seeing that performance. I mean, you can't give up that type of lead. No, you can't. After that, so uh, another weekend of the Premier League is finally back. It will be back again on Wednesday of next week, where it will be United versus Leeds. Who United will play Leeds in back-to-back games. They'll play next Wednesday as well as they will play next Sunday, the twelfth. So trying to get some of these fixtures in. But that is going to do it for our soccer talk today. When we come back, it is the final segment of the show, and it's everyone's favorite. It's who you got. So do not go anywhere. You are listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Griggs Blankenberg's over there. We had a smooth flight back from London, if you were wondering. We're back here in the Bradley Basin studio in the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University where tomorrow is one of the scariest days on campus as there will be a person in a brightly colored t-shirt poached in any possible corner outdoors asking you who you voted for for SGA uh, leadership. 
So my advice to anyone listening who needs it, AirPods in, head down, walk with a buddy. I think you just, what I do is just, you go double AirPods and then you just go straight there. You don't look up, you don't divert from your phone, you know which way you're walking, you just look at your phone, look down at your feet, make sure you're not tripping, and just go. Or just pretend you're on the phone, or actually be on the phone. It's rude to bother someone who's on the phone. Or just say you're in media and they can't talk to you. That's genius. <laughs> but I, I don't want to talk with them, so there's that. But here we go. It's who you got. Daniel again had a great weekend last week. He went 6-4. and four. I went 5-5. Five and five. So the record now is that Daniel's at 20-10. And I'm sitting at a cool 500-15-15. and 15. With that. Oh, yeah. Let's get into the games. Starting off with college basketball. Oh, I forgot to add the Auburn game on this. Well, I'll take one of the uh, NBA games off. Starting off with college basketball, it is Kansas State at Iowa State this Saturday. Daniel, who you got? You know, Kansas has had a tough go of it recently. However, I think that iron sharpens iron. And I think the Jayhawks are going to be sharp. I think they're going to go into Iowa State, and I think they're going to walk out with a win. I'm going to go with Iowa State. I think they can do it. I think they've lost two in a row, but they have to bounce back. They have to win at home. Iowa State's been a tough place to play this year. And if they just figure out a way to stop Kansas, I think they can do I think they can win this game. So I'm going Iowa State. I got you. Moving on, now we go to TCU at Oklahoma State. Daniel, who you got? Give me TCU. Um, Oklahoma State's kind of been good, not great this year. I know it's in Stillwater. However, that just doesn't really have a reputation as being an extremely tough place to play in college basketball. TCU's hot, so I'm going to go with them. Yeah, I'm rocking with the uh, the Horn Frogs as well in this one. I think they can go into Stillwater and win this one and keep themselves in contention for that really competitive this year Big 12 title. Going down to Clemson, South Carolina, Miami is taking on the Tigers. And this matchup that could be very important for the top of the ACC right now in a conference that's not particularly that well right now. It's like Miami and then – or no, it's Virginia and whoever wins this one. Daniel, who you got? I'm going to go Clemson. Um – they haven't lost at home, 12-0, so I think they make 12-13. I'm going to go with Miami in this one because me and you know probably better than really anyone around here about Miami being able to play on the road or in a neutral environment. Oh, yeah. They're pretty good, and Jim Laranenga is a good coach. And I expect Miami to be able to counter what Clemson does and throws to them. So I'm going to go with the Hurricanes in this one. We travel up to Indiana for the Battle of the Hoosier State. It is Purdue at Indiana. Number one, Purdue taking on number 21, Indiana. Daniel, who you got? You know, I'm going to be confident um, in Assembly Hall. I'm going to go with IU. Hmm. I'm going Purdue. I mean, if they're going to drop a game the rest of this year, I think it would be this one. But – with the way they're playing right now, I mean, they destroyed Penn State the other night. Just being able to get stuff done. Zach E, probably front row for player of the year, playing confident, being able to drop 20 and 10 whenever he pleases. Yeah, I'm going to go with Purdue in this one. Moving on to the Big 12, we have Texas traveling to Kansas State. Daniel, who you got? Hmm. I'm going to go K-State, just hmm. mainly because it's home, and they've been playing pretty good recently. Had a tough game with Kansas the other night. Um, Texas has just kind of been all over the place. Uh, obviously, just some off-court issues I'm not going to get into. 
but there's just a lot of uncertainty in the program right now, and I still feel like that's going to be somewhat of a distraction. So I'm going to go K State. Oh, yeah, K State. <laughs> I thought it was a game ahead for a second. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Texas right now. The way they've been able to kind of respond for what you were saying earlier with an interim coach, I think they this is a good one to win. For them, you go a long way in March seeing as well and Big 12 tournament seeing as well. So I'm going to go with Texas. Going to the, I think, California? Uh, yeah. I think. It's either California or Arizona. Nonetheless, it is Gonzaga at St. Mary's. It is a rank the rank matchup for the Feels like first time forever for the West Coast Conference. But, Daniel, what you got? Um, first things first, you were right. Uh, Morega, California. Okay, so I was right. Um, and, you know, this feels like a game that would normally be no one would pick St. Mary's. And I feel like this time, half, if not more, people are going to pick St. Mary's. So on that kind of reverse psychology kind of deal, I'm going to go with Gonzaga. Well, I'm one of those people you're talking about because I'm going to go St. Mary's. This is... This feels like the time where St. Mary's upsets Gonzaga at home. This is the time where they make their case for March if they get an at-large bid. So I'm going to go with the Gales of St. Mary's here. And, like, their arena is pretty small, too. They're, yeah, it's like 2,000. It is tiny. I'm looking it up because I want to be correct. Yeah, it's narrowly bigger than my high school gym. I remember we talked about this last year, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, 3,500. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, moving on now to the NBA. Friday night, the Suns are taking on the Boston Celtics in one of the last couple games before the All-Star break. Daniel, I know who you got, but who you got? Um, I'm going to go with the Celtics. The last time we played the Suns, we absolutely beat the brakes off of them. We're coming off a dominant win over a good Nets team. Um, com- coming off a confidence-building win over the Lakers in overtime. I just I think the Celtics are heating up again, so I'm going <laughs> to get it because the Suns. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Celtics. Yeah, I'm going the Celtics, too. I mean, the Suns are getting better from what they were at the beginning of the year, but the Celtics are the best team in the NBA right now, them and the Nuggets. So, yeah, you got to ride with the hot hand. I'm going with the Celtics. Traveling to Milwaukee, the Miami Heat take on the Milwaukee Bucks this Saturday night. Mr. Locke, who you got? I was about to pick Bucks, but there's just something about watching the Heat play the Celtics that they are just a really tough team to beat. And kind of some of the things they're good at, the Bucks aren't really great at, such as stopping the three. Or, like, Miami can shoot threes, and the Bucks kind of struggled to stop the three. That's how the Celtics were able to dominate Milwaukee on Christmas Day. The threes just were raining. And so if Miami can get hot from beyond the arc, can I get it because they're heat? <laughs> I keep doing Back-to-back that. Back-to-back jokes. Oh, yes. If Miami can like really get it going from um, three-point range, I think that they'll be able to win. If not, they'll get smoked. But I'm confident that they will be able to make that happen. I'm going to go with the Bucks. I just Giannis at home just does not sound like a team that loses very often to me. I think they can counteract whatever Jimmy Butler and the Heat throw at them. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Bucks. Going to California now, the – Mavericks and Luka Doncic takes on the Golden State Warriors and Stephen Curry this Saturday night. Daniel, who you got? The Warriors look like they found a groove finally. However, I still just don't completely buy into them. Um, I think they've definitely shown some weaknesses this year. And on the other side with the Mavs, like this isn't an, an easy game to pick because, yeah, the Mavs have a good record, but I just don't really buy teams that just have one guy. 
who like does most of the stuff. But I'm going to this time. I'm going to pick the Mavs. But this is my pick this week that I'm the least confident in. I'm going to go with the Warriors. I think mainly just because it was the home. If it was the Mavs, if it was Warriors at Mavs, I would go Mavs. But I just don't feel like this is one of the games where Luka goes crazy. I feel like it mainly only happens at home or some random spot on the road. I think he went off against the Pistons. But, yeah, the Warriors, I mean, kind of like we were saying during the NBA segment, they're finding their groove now that they, they're healthy. And I think the Warriors can win this one. I think it would be an important one for them to win, try to get out of that playing game. And then, because, again, this is probably one of the least likely teams people want to face in the postseason, regardless of what where they're seated, because people know they've been there before. They know how to get it done. And finally, our final game of the week it is the number 25 Auburn Tigers traveling to Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville, Tennessee to take on the number two ranked Tennessee Volunteers this Saturday, 2 p.m. on ESPN. Daniel will be there. I will not be. I'll be watching. But nonetheless, Daniel, final time today. Who you got? I don't want to pick Tennessee, but I'm going to. Um, it'd take a lot for Auburn to win, and it definitely can happen, but I'm just not confident right now. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Volunteers. I mean, especially after they lost to Florida last night, they're going to be playing with a passion because they know how important this game is. I think they, they can bounce back shooting-wise and stuff. It's just a matter of just I trust that this that Tennessee team to be more prepared for this game than the Auburn right now. But it hurts to say, but I'm picking Tennessee. But they're a good team, and – that's a very, 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 very tough place to play in the SEC, one of the hardest. But that is going to do it for us today on the Eagles' Nest. When we come back next week, we'll be talking a lot about the Super Bowl. We'll give you what we kind of did last year, maybe see if we can get some people on. But thank you again for listening. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on your favorite podcast platform later after the show. But for Daniel Locke, I'm Greg Blankenberg. This has been the Eagles' Nest. We'll see you next week, and War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at The Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagle's Nest. See you next week.